Most weight loss programs are short-term fixes, but managing your weight needs a long-term solution. And that's what makes Noom different. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galina. And as always, I'm joined by my buddy, Scott Chu. What's going on there, Scott? How are you? I'm doing great. There's baseball now, and mm. I have baseball things to think about that are new and exciting. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, waiting for these babies to pop out, but we're not there yet. And, and you know what? That's okay. Yep. Yep. Well, the, the countdown is on. And, and like you said, baseball season in full bloom. Uh, you know, uh, Trace Thompson leads the league in home runs with three. CJ Crone also has three home runs, batting 636 in his first three games. Uh, I don't know if you saw Hunter Renfro, the no-look catch on opening night. Adam Wainwright singing the national anthem on opening day. Uh, then you got this clown sneaking onto the outfield grass at Dodger Stadium, proposing to his fiance, gets tackled, gets speared. But that's just baseball. We got baseball to talk about. We got crazy things to talk about. So it's really awesome stuff. So uh, uh, other than that, man, lots of news to get to though, Scott, right? Yeah, not all of it great, but that's, no, a, you know, no. th- this is just part of part of spring. No one seasoned is no one season is ruined, probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it's this is overreaction time. And at least with the news, the news is one of the easiest things not to overreact to because this, the news we get now is the same as the news we get, you know, at any point in the season. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, oh, by the way, we were talking about the, you know, the proposal. You didn't get tackled when you proposed to, to your, your current wife. Did you? How'd that go? Uh, Oh, oh, um, we already had a house and a kid and she had already picked out the engagement ring. We got it. There you go. Awesome. Two or three weeks later, <clears throat> we were like, I never proposed. So well, let's just do that. So it was like in front of the mirror in our in our bedroom. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah, it was, right. it was very, yeah, you know, a very uh-huh. uh, sentimental moment for all involved. Sure, absolutely. Okay, well, at least you didn't get to it. <laughs> at least yeah, you didn't, didn't get, get tackled. tackled. No, 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 okay. No, I didn't get tackled either. Uh, but uh, all right, let's get to the news. Uh, Justin Verlander to the IL, Scott. Uh, it was announced right before the start of the Mets opening day matchup against the Marlins as a low-grade terrace major strain. And uh, I guess the good news is the it's – Supposedly he's downplaying it and the Mets are downplaying it. Uh, he's going to be able to continue throwing at uh, what they're calling moderate intensity. So it's not like he's totally shut down. So uh, hopefully he won't be out too long. And that that just puts uh, Tyler McGill uh, back in the Mets rotation. And uh, we're, by the way, we're recording this on Sunday, April 2nd. Uh, it's about 1140 Eastern time. So Tyler McGill back in the Mets rotation gave up two runs, two walks, seven Ks for the win. But it uh, looks like it's not going to be a long stay on the IL for Verlander. At least we all hope. Yeah. And I mean, 
he's he's someone where it makes a little bit of sense for them to to take it easy. It's early in the season. You're going to see a lot of these precaution pseudo precautionary uh, IL stints <clears throat> again. Um, this is when teams are at their freshest. They've got the most options available in their bullpen. They've just seen a lot of their starters come out of spring. So they know how they're all doing. None of those guys are hurt yet. So, you know, this team has starter depth with Tyler McGill being, you know, like seventh in line. So, I mean, this kind of stuff makes sense. I'm going to keep repeating myself, but I just don't want folks to, to overreact to this kind of news because this is when it's easiest to put guys on the I.L. Yeah. And, uh, you know, listening to New York uh, sports talk radio, uh, some uh, Met fans very upset um, and they're kind of like, you know, why are are the Mets uh, signing these uh, ancient uh, starting pitchers? I mean, well, you look back and Verlander. He won the AL Cy Young last year, right? And he was just unhittable. So uh, there is some overreaction going on there. So, uh, but uh, hopefully, like I said, he won't be out too long. But uh, and uh, mentioned that Verlander was the Cy Young last year. A couple of years back, Robbie Ray was a Cy Young as well, and he goes on the IL. Uh, Seattle Mariners uh, starting pitcher uh, on the 15-day IL. Um, looks like they're going to shut him down for two weeks, then reevaluate him. Uh, he has a left flexor strain. A rough timeline seems to be about four to six weeks for uh, Robbie Ray's eventual return. Yeah, you know, about a month, um, maybe just a tiny bit more. I, again, I mean, if that stinks. That's <clears throat> certainly longer than you wanted to lose him for. Um, but it's just the way it goes. Grade one, generally meaning like the lowest, nothing's torn, nothing's broken. It's just a strain. The only way to fix that is to not use it. So this is just kind of what they have to do. And you can, I'm not sure I really care about any of the, the guys, the Mariners are going to use, mm. you know, in the interim quite yet. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not even sure. I think, yeah, they were, they recalled Gabe Spire Spear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it, I, he's, seem- he's not even a, He's not even a starter. Right, right. Right? <laughs> so uh, just, you know, most of this news is just not that actionable. You, mm-hmm. There's there's plenty of guys coming up. You can stream for a month and figure it out. Yep, yep. Uh, another uh, big-time pitcher hitting the IL, Max Freed. Uh, I don't know if he's hit officially. and it, It's Sunday. I know he's expected to uh, hit the IL due to a, a hamstring injury. So uh, Braves obviously very deep, but they've got – Kyle Wright and Mike Soroka on the IL and uh, Wright can't uh, return until April 11th. So uh, they're talking about maybe Ian Anderson or Bryce Elder being called on to take uh, Freed's spot in the rotation. But uh, the two guys that I'm interested in, and like I said, we're recording this on Sunday, April 2nd, and he's scheduled to make his first start is Jared Schuster. And uh, also Dylan Dodd going to be part of the uh, early uh, spring rotation for the Braves. Yeah. And those guys should be at the top of your list in terms of finding pitching replacements. Those are the ones at the top of your list. I mean, they're going to be hot commodities for uh, the the first for folks that only do weekly waivers. I mean, they're going to be a big deal if they weren't, you know, if they weren't drafted. And if you, if you drafted earlier in the off season, you probably didn't draft either of these guys, both, both of them, you know, you can, you can listen to Nick talk about them more uh, if you mm-hmm. want the high, but I mean, high level, both of them are, you know, they're going to get wins on a 
uh, still a very deep uh, Atlanta team. And they're both, you know, they're both ready to pitch in the majors. They're both, yeah, they could probably each get about a strikeout and inning, um, you know, should have somewhere in like the mid to high threes ERA uh, again, short, it might be a smaller sample for Dylan Dodd. I think Schuster's ahead of him. So the next guy who comes back will probably boot Dodd out. But uh, again, those are the ones you really want to go after for, you know, anyone, if you've lost a starting pitcher so far, Dylan Dodd and, and Schuster are probably the two hottest ads to go after. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, just by the way, uh, Spencer Strider picking up right where he left uh, off last season uh, on Saturday, pitched six innings, gave up three hits, did walk three, but struck out nine and uh, looked really good. So uh, like I said, Braves, very deep team. But uh, Luis Urias, Spurs third baseman, expected to miss up to eight weeks due to a hamstring strain. Uh, Mike Brousseau and Brian Reynolds expected to fill in for him. Brousseau got the start on Saturday. But, um, you know, it, it, tough news because third base is, a, you know, not a very deep position in fantasy baseball. And uh, But the, the one thing that happened as a result of, of Urias's injury is that the Brewers called up uh, one of their top prospects, Joey Weimer, who's an outfielder. Uh, and, you know, you look at what Joey Weimer had done uh, in his 2022 minor league season, had 21 home runs, 34 doubles, and 31 steals. That's uh, he, he played uh, in double-A and triple-A. His batting average actually increased uh, from 243 in double A, and he batted 287 in triple A. So that's something to note. But uh, some people are saying that the the starting pitching is actually tougher last season in double A. But um, the 30 percent K rate against double uh, A pitching for Weimer last season, uh, but just 20 percent K rate against triple A pitching. Um, I, I think he has a, a decent shot to play. You know, maybe four times a week. Uh, I looked. I don't think he's in. He's in the uh, Brewers lineup today, which is Sunday, and he played uh, on Saturday. But uh, you know, especially in a deeper league where you're starting five outfielders, Scott is Weimer somebody that you're looking at? You know, a little bit, a little bit. I, I, the person that really gets the most playing time out of this is Brian Anderson, he, mm-hmm. formerly of the Miami Marlins. He's batting like sixth, or maybe even a little higher sometimes. Uh, he he's not someone who does anything particularly exciting. You know, in a full season, he'd probably get close to 20 home runs, but he keeps finding himself in these situations where he makes enough contact. He doesn't strike out a ton, right? It's usually, you know, league average ish. Uh, and he just puts the ball in play and keeps getting put in like the middle of these lineups. Hmm. So, you know, he's someone that can really pile up stats while you're wait. you know, if you've got a hole, he usually qualifies at third base in most formats, if I recall. So Brian Anderson is probably the one I'm going after in more leagues. Also, just because he's a known commodity. Right. Right. And and so, again, I want someone who's a known commodity. He's he's really the, the only option they have to play third base uh, in the lineup right now. So I really think it's it's all about Brian Anderson when it comes to fantasy. Mm-hmm. All right. Brian Anderson is the man then. All right. Um Another uh, injury, this this one pretty upsetting. Uh, Daniel Bard, uh, you know, hitting the IL due to issues related to anxiety. 
uh, Bard has a history where he was out of baseball for a while, worked his way back into baseball, and really put together a couple of nice seasons for the Rockies as their closer. So uh, we wish him the best. I mean, you know, I've been there and continue to battle, uh, you know, this type of anxiety demons myself. But uh, from a, a fantasy point of view, it seems that Pierce Johnson, uh, Pierce Johnson would be uh, the favorite to take over as the Rockies closer. He recorded the Rockies first save. They also have Brad Hand, Scott, who has a lot of closer experience as well. Uh, wouldn't uh, surprise me to see him get some save chances as well. Uh, at the beginning of the season, uh, Denilson Lamette was talked about as uh, getting some opportunities, pitching uh, some high leverage situation as well, uh, but uh, didn't fare too well in his first appearance, two earned runs and three walks in his first appearance, but looks like it's going to be Pierce Johnson, at least to start. Yeah. And that's, that's probably if I really wanted, you know, in a 15 team league, that's probably where I'd go after, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, if I had to, but I really don't want to in a 12 team league. I don't think you do anything. I think maybe you watch list Johnson because he's been a good reliever in the past. But again, mm-hmm. this is still a team that has to play in Colorado for half their games team. That's not going to win very many games. So I, I hate saying it, but like you know, the biggest news is I hope Daniel Bard is able you know, to overcome what he's dealing with. Cause anxiety Absolutely. sucks. Mm-hmm. But as far as fantasy goes, there's nothing, there's nothing here really mm-hmm. in the 12 team league. I just don't care. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, speaking of closers, I uh, was watching the Yankee game uh, on Saturday. Camilo Doval, he picked up the save against the Yanks, but uh, really seemed rattled uh, by that pitch clock. I mean, uh, had two balls called on him uh, for pitch clock violations. Now, he's been a notorious slow worker, so I'm sure there's going to be some kind of a, an adjustment period. Um, and... You know, I think he's going to be okay. I mean, I wrote an article about him for Fantasy Alarm, and he had added a sinker midway through the 2022 season. So I had, you know, high hopes for him, and I still do. But uh, it was interesting to watch it unfold, how uncomfortable he was uh, working with that pitch clock yesterday. Yeah, especially when he's had all spring training to deal with it. Right, uh, right. I think maybe with the game on the line, he he wants to go back. Yeah, I mean, anybody wants to go back to uh, what they feel comfortable with. The The team does have another guy who could close. Taylor Rogers was a closer for the Twins last season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, they, could, they could do that. I don't think they will. Certainly not yet. Rogers being a lefty, um, not, you know, a lot of managers don't like lefties in the closer role. Plus, Duvall, I mean, he... I'm a little like, I'm a little worried about the walks and and I don't want him to have, you know, extra balls put on, you know, put on the board, but it's again, this is, you know, I'm sort of looking at it as early season jitters. I really, I don't want to do anything about this because one, I'm not sure any of my league mates would be interested in trading in the first week of April if they weren't interested (laughs) in trading two weeks ago. Right. Uh, So I certainly don't want to sell low, so to speak. And also I, I think, all teams are going to be a little, a little patient. I know there's lots of things that we want to overreact to at the start of this season because of the rule changes. Mm-hmm. You know, I know <clears throat> this sort of a soft transition into like stolen bases, mm-hmm. right? But you know, as much as we want to focus on like the big things that happen, like the Red Sox giving up ten stolen bases uh, so far, that's just through what three games. <laughs> um, it's it's not great, but. 
Yeah, the Orioles stole five yesterday. (laughs) Only about half the league had a stolen base against them, right? Mm -hmm. And only 13 teams had more than one stolen base against them so far, right? A bunch of teams haven't had any steals against them. So what I am doing about this kind of news is I am trying to find specific players or specific teams that seem overly prone, right? I'm not sure one start is enough for me to say that Doval is overly prone to screwing up because of this pitch clock, but I am going to look at like the Red Sox giving up 10 stolen bases. You think Mm -hmm. every team in baseball isn't looking at that and being like, well, if you guys can't stop the run, we're running every time. Right. 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 I mean, that's exactly what I would do. Mm -hmm. I think that it's actually only through like two games, right? Right. Because Mateo has like four already. This is, this is the thing I'm looking for, right? I'm looking like, okay, who is, who is being targeted? Right. Yeah, I mean, other rule changes have been like the the shift, but we've seen little modified shifts already, right? We've yes. seen second baseman sliding over. I, I don't think that one will have as big of an impact. And I think the stolen base one, it will have an impact. But like I was saying in the offseason, the impact is going to be very localized to specific teams. The White Sox last season were a team that were was bad at stopping the running game, right? Already given up four stolen bases through three games. They're going to keep getting targeted. And again, this is just something where other teams are going to take a weakness and just exploit it more and more. Teams that were mm-hmm. good at stopping the run aren't, you know, really aren't going to see too many changes, right? right? Uh, you're not going to push because the success rate on those isn't very high. But now when you already wanted to run on a team like the White Sox or the Red Sox and you have only two pickoff moves and bigger bases, now you're just going to do it even more. So I'm expecting to see some some really some teams that are just really bloated in terms of teams are just going to run and run and run and run yeah. and the Red Sox are haven't figured out what to do about it right yeah uh, well just back to Duvall I'll say this and you're right to talk about you know he's had a bit of an is- issue in the past about giving up a lot of walks but added a sinker midway through the 2022 season. And he kind of tinkered with it. It became more effective. That last month of the season, he really cut down on his walks. But you're right to mention that. Um, as far as you know, the, the stolen base issue with the Orioles and the Red Sox, you're absolutely right. But I'm wondering if it's a little bit of maybe you know the Orioles kind of you know that using this as their strategy, um, just in general, because and taking advantage of the the rule change. Uh, I mean, they've got, you know, Mullins, they've got Mateo, they've got Hayes, they could all run and uh, they got some boppers on the team too, but they should take advantage of the fact that they have some guys that are able to steal bases. And I think that part of it's going to be situational as well, but you're right to say that, you know, early on in the season, we, and I'm sure the real life teams are going to be focusing on who is more susceptible, what teams are more susceptible to uh, this new rule that's going to, you know, allow teams to, you know, take advantage of the speed that they have on the team. And not everybody's going to run, of course, right? You have to have that uh, underlying skill and, um, you know, underlying talent, you know, the speed, the skill, the ability to, to steal bases, right? Uh, but uh, that's a lot of stolen bases, 10 in the first two games. Yeah, that I mean, that's a ton. And mm-hmm. Reese McGuire isn't necessarily a a bad uh, catcher when it comes to like pop time and and arm mm-hmm. strength things like that. But 
it, maybe it's that the pitchers that the Reds, you know, I, I'd have to look more, but I'm also going to be looking for pitchers that get targeted a lot. Sure, sure. Right? Uh, because, I mean, Chris Sale. Syndergaard is notorious for it, right? Syndergaard? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to see this. We're going to see um, certain pitchers, certain batteries just get attacked by these stolen bases until they can figure out what to do about it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So uh, let's take a, a quick break here. We'll be right back right after this. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization, so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. Joe Galina and Scott Chu. Scott, it's, uh, I I tell you, I'm really getting a charge out of, you know, checking box scores every morning again. You know, I I just love it. And uh, I I guess that's part of the early season fantasy baseball team maintenance, right? Just keeping track of what's going on, where players are batting in the lineup, uh, and just, you know, checking box scores gives you a good idea, not only of what's going on, but, you know, it keeps you – uh, appraised of the player pool and, you know, you, you run into players that, you know, you might've missed during the spring, but it's all part of the April spring, uh, the April fantasy baseball team maintenance. No. Yeah. I mean, number one, <clears throat> doing it in spring training isn't as fun because there's a mm. bunch of names you don't care about, Correct, but right. it, it's fun, especially because we had theories about what teams were going to do in the regular season. Mm-hmm. and we didn't know how it was going to play out. And now we're actually getting a look to see like what what platoons are teams actually using? Where are they plugging guys in against certain types of pitchers? 
Um, and also, you know, what, what are players, you know, are players doing any, I mean, obviously we don't have any real samples, right? I think like going into Sunday's games, the biggest sample we have is like 14 plate appearances. Mm -hmm. uh, no one's going to have 20 by the time this podcast comes out, unless like a game goes to extras. <laughs> so right. a lot of extras. Um, I, I just, I don't, I don't always look directly at the performances. You know, I do because it's exciting and fun, but when it comes to like the fantasy analysis part, I'm really kind of looking at the underlying skills, the soft stuff, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, are they, are they walking and striking out a lot more? Where are they going in the lineup? Those kinds of things. So that's really what I'm at. What positions are they playing? Stuff like that. Let me bring up one guy that uh, here's some people talking about, and he wasn't really talked about during the spring, but Trevor Larnack uh, for the twins, he's been batting cleanup. Now you look at, you know, he had a good spring, four home runs, eight RBI, uh, you know, people have been talking about me, Alex Kirilov, you know, in the Twins lineup and whatnot, and even to a very lesser degree, Joey Gallo, who's unfortunately gotten off to a terrible start again. But uh, Trevor Lornock is, is someone that uh, really wasn't talked about a lot. But like I said, batting cleanup, uh, 292, 374, 450 triple slash in four minor league seasons. Uh, but, uh, what do you think about uh, Trevor Larnack, uh, batting cleanup for the twins to start? So it's interesting because I, I actually thought it would be like Jose Miranda, but, but this lineup is actually pretty thin, right? I mean, they, uh, Correa Buxton and the rest, right? I mean, Max Kepler leading off fine. Uh, I think the one interesting thing to note, uh, two interesting things about Larnack, number one in a full season maybe 20 to 25 homers, probably more like 20. Mm -hmm. um, not, you know, not someone who I think is like a big game changer. Also, I want to see what happens when the twins face a lefty. They haven't done that yet. Uh, and they won't have done that by, you know, by the time this drops Monday morning. So when a lefty comes, I won't be shocked to see him move down. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and Jose Miranda to maybe move up, but it is worth noting, right four straight games in the cleanup spot. I mean, that is something very streamable mm -hmm. that that is something you can kind of act on. If, if you need a plug in play outfielder and they're going to go face a, a bad, you know, a bad pitching staff, that's meaningful, but uh, there's still just more. I need to know specifically what's going to happen again against lefties because Larnick isn't good enough to be fantasy relevant. Uh, if he's a platoon player, even right. on the large side. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, we were talking uh, off air about Kyle Lewis and he's been batting leadoff for the Diamondbacks, you know, uh, rookie of the year a couple of years back. Um, been dealing with some injuries over the past couple of seasons since that uh, rookie of the year season. But uh, he's already struck out six times in his first three games. Not really something that you'd like to see from your leadoff batter, but uh, he's always kind of had somewhat of an issue with strikeouts. So it's, it's kind of odd that the Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks would even – uh, look to have him instilled as their leadoff uh, hitter. Yeah, and what's kind of funny is the one time he gets a home run is when he was a pinch hitter, right? <laughs> his two right. starts, not so good. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, eight played in his two starts, it's eight played appearances and six strikeouts, uh, no right. walks. I mean, that's <clears throat> again, I, you know, I'm looking at walk rate and strikeout rate. I want to see if players can get off to a good start with that. Kyle Lewis, I, you know, my guess is. You know, just looking at what the lineups have done, right? So he, the one time he sat was against a righty. So what we're probably seeing is Kyle Lewis right now slated to lead off 
against left-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. And the reason he's done it twice is because the Dodgers feature two lefties at the top of their lineup right. or top of the rotation in Urias and Kershaw. So uh, that's, I mean, that's all we're really getting here. Is it interesting? Yes. And would I do something about it? Maybe in an NL only league, but again, Kyle Lewis, like Larnick is not good enough to be fantasy relevant in a platoon, particularly the small side of one. I would have loved to see him stole, like steal a base. That was something mm-hmm. Kyle, when Kyle Lewis was coming up, we thought he could be like a 2020 guy. And right. now he can't get to either one because he can't play enough. But also, you know, with Kyle Lewis, I didn't see him run either. And, and it's not as though the, the diamondbacks felt that they could just hit their way into a win against the Dodgers, right? They were going to need to do some stealing and they, he didn't. So, mm-hmm. That that's what I was really hoping to see from Kyle Lewis. And it would make it something that I could do something about. But right now, okay, cool. They're going to let you lead off against lefties to see what they got. But, you know, I don't even know how long he'll stay in the, in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about Joey Weimer earlier. And, you know, I always like to, you know, talk Tiger baseball with you. And there's a guy that got a little bit of buzz. I know that Paul Spora is in on him. I know you like him as well. Uh, But uh, Kerry Carpenter made his 2023 debut on Saturday, went two for four with two doubles. Uh, He had three home runs, nine RBI this spring, 30 home runs in 98 minor league games last season. And this one kind of made me chuckle. He had three stolen bases in the minors last season, but got caught 10 times. So, I mean, could you just imagine the conversation between Carpenter and his coaches? I mean, were they telling him, look, you got to start, you know, I want you to keep on stealing bases, but I don't want to steal. You're going to do it, and you're going to do it until you get it right. I mean, how does a guy uh, <laughs> get caught 10 times stealing bases? But anyway. In the minor uh, leagues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, they, those guys get to run free. So, Kerry Carpenter – Plenty yeah. of power here. I was really hoping that again. So the tight ty- right now. So Kerry Carpenter. We're recording this on Sunday. Kerry Carpenter is not in the lineup today, which means he's only played once. But that's right. because again, uh, they're up against the Rays, who were featuring left-handed starters at the top of their rotation. So they've only played against one righty, and when he played against a righty, uh, he did get to bat fourth in a you know in a lineup that's not very good. So you know the guy that he seems to be platooning with is Matt Veerling. Mm-hmm. Um, who is not really fantasy relevant, but he did lead off twice uh, in those two games against lefties. I really want to see Kerry Carpenter, you know, really carve out a bigger role, right? I'd rather see him hitting, if he has to hit, you know, sixth or seventh, that's fine, right? If he's playing every day. Now, I like Kerry Carpenter more than I like Larnick and more than I like Kyle Lewis because Kerry Carpenter does have enough power to be very relevant. In fact, we we saw him be relevant towards the end of last season. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Tigers have a lot of guys who can play corner outfield on this team right now. And it, you can't do anything about it in a 12-team league yet simply because it does definitely look like he's in a platoon. Mm-hmm. Do you think that – I know you mentioned you like him better than Lewis – uh, and Larnock. Uh, what about Weimer? Who do you think gets more playing time? Is it hard? Too early to tell yet? We talked about oh, Joey Weimer. Weimer. Yeah. I think Weimer has a starting role where Kerry mm-hmm. Carpenter doesn't. Right. right. So so that's really to me the big difference. Um Kerry, you know, Kerry Carpenter again, we saw him hit six home runs last season in just 31 games. 
So one every five games. I mean, he's got tons of power, you know, Mm -hmm. 25, maybe even 30 home runs in a lucky season. Uh, So, you know, he doesn't walk much, but, you know, that's Kerry Carpenter. That's why he's likely relegated to a platoon role. Uh, the large side of a platoon, but a platoon where in Milwaukee, you know, long, you know, long term, I think Kerry Carpenter gets more played appearances this season than Weimer. Mm-hmm. But in the next three or four weeks, which is all we care about, I think it's definitely Weimer because they, I mean, he's he's on that team right now to fill a role because Louis Sirius is hurt. That shifted Brian Anderson from corner outfield to third base, and they need another corner outfielder. And they, unlike a team like the Tigers, the Brewers don't have a ton of them just waiting in the wings. They've mm-hmm. got some utility guys, but they're just utility guys. So it's cool to see them bring up Weimer. Um, and he has an opportunity to really play. But when I'm seeing guys in platoons or getting some of these situations, I do want to look at the rest of the team context. What, you know, what opportunity does this player have to win an everyday role? So the, the nice thing for Kerry Carpenter, even though the Tigers do have a ton of guys that they can just cycle in and out kind of all over the place. The one thing is none of them are particularly like exciting, right? You know, the, the Tigers are not super invested in Ryan Creedler. They're not super invested in Matt Veerling, right? Mm-hmm. Who they got as a part of a collection of prospects for a relief pitcher. Right. So, yeah. you know, with Kerry Carpenter, there is an opportunity there to win that full time job mm-hmm. uh, simply because he is a better hitter than the other guys uh, and, and Zach McKinstry. Right. Uh, who's also a lefty. Like, so all those guys can kind of play the outfield. But Kerry Carpenter is the only one who I think can make an impact offensively for this team, a team that so far just isn't scoring runs and probably won't score very many runs this season. So. That's really what I'm kind of looking at. So starting out the large side of platoon, not great, but he's going to be on my watch list in, in a lot of leagues simply because if he gets, you know, there's an opportunity to win that full-time role. So if he starts getting plate appearances against lefties, that's sort of that pendulum swinging to maybe them saying, all right, Kerry Carpenter, you're going to find ways to get in this lineup every day. Right. Um, any, you, you mentioned that the, they're not going to score many runs. You talk about the, the Tigers and whatnot. Any early, uh, season observations, and, and I guess it's probably who we expected at this point, but uh, who you would stream against, right? First of all, you mentioned, uh, I'm just going to take a, a quick step back, but you mentioned about uh, C.J. Crone, or maybe we, we talked about it off off air, but just the, the, the hot uh, start that he's gotten off to. And what's interesting to me is that he's doing it on the road. And, you know, he, I feel that he people were, or drafters were kind of lukewarm on him because of his home away splits, but uh, kind of interesting to see him get off to such a hot start playing on the road. Right? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And and I thought the same thing, but then I remembered he hasn't actually played in Colorado yet this year. Right. He's only played in Arizona <laughs> and San Diego. Right. So the Coors effect is all about having to switch from balls move Good one point. way, balls move another way. I haven't done mm-hmm. that yet. Mm-hmm. Right. So this isn't really the road Rockies that you're expecting because they haven't been screwed up by cores yet. They mm-hmm. will be by next week, but like they, they haven't done that yet. So uh, kind of interesting. I mean, he's, he's always got power and, and this, don't take this as a sign is he's going to be different on the road because you haven't seen the cores effect be tested yet. Right. Right. That, that's um, a great point. Mm-hmm. So, so that's something, I mean, the, we were talking about it off air, but you know, when I'm looking at, you know, I like looking at leaderboards this early in the season, even though they're meaningless, because number one, there's fun things on them, right? Yes. Like, uh, 
Trace Thompson tied for the league lead in home runs, but you actually have to fix the leaderboard because he doesn't qualify because he's only played one game. Uh, he has four <laughs> plate appearances and three home runs, right? His uh, his home run to, or his plate appearance to RBI ratio is pretty good, right? Four, four RBI, sure. or eight RBI, four plate appearances. See how mm-hmm. long you keep that up. Um, but what I am looking for are players that, you know, I, I touted, O'Neill Cruz all offseason. I'm not the only one, but what I loved about O'Neill Cruz was the change in his approach as the season went on. And the rolling charts we had showed that he was getting better, right? Again, only two games, nine plate appearances, but good to know, one strikeout in those nine, right? Mm -hmm. Does that mean anything? Maybe not quite yet, but it's a whole lot better than seeing him start out with six strikeouts in those nine plate appearances, especially because he did start striking out towards the end of spring training. Mm -hmm. So I, I like seeing that. Uh, I'm also looking for guys who maybe uh, are striking out a ton. Yohan Moncada, uh, are, you know, has a home run, hitting 357 through his three games for what it's worth, but striking out a ton. Right, he's got six strikeouts in those 14 plate appearances. I think, uh, you know, 42.9% strikeout rate. Yohan Moncada, a guy who can be prone to the strikeout. So, you know, another thing I'm looking at, I, I'm really, and I'm what I'm what I'm doing, I'm really looking for like outsized rates, right? You know, having a 20% strikeout rate right now generally means you've struck out like twice. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at guys, like I want to see, you know, who who's walking a lot. So you, the one that stands out is actually Miguel Vargas for the Dodgers. He's walked seven times in 12 plate appearances, right? That's a lot, right? Mm. Why is he walking so much? I mean, Arizona's pitching is not very good. But that's the kind of thing I want to see how long he keeps up a very high walk rate because that's a big deal for Miguel Vargas. He's already got a role because of the injuries that the Dodgers have faced, but he did not walk very much in his 50 plate appearances last season. Just 4% kept his batting average down. And that was something, you know, I I wanted to see him walk at least at a league average rate before I kind of fully bought in to him being this 20 to 22 home run, 10 stolen base guy Mm -hmm. walking. You know, walking just double digits, right? 10%, that would be fantastic. Even if it's 8% for Miguel Vargas as a walk rate, I love it, right? So something to get excited about. Again, none of it is actionable. Please don't mm. take this as like, oh, he, he's better now, right? That, yeah. That's not really how this works. But We're basically recording this podcast four days into the baseball season. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, just observations here. Right, but I do want to see, though, you know, especially – combined with the spring if guys sort of looked like they were doing something in the spring and it's carrying over they were doing something at the end of last season and it's carrying over those are the things i'm really looking for that's why i was really watching o'neill cruz right because i felt like he had this kind of going on uh and it got you know it got better then it kind of got worse at the end of spring training i want to see how the start of the season goes and it goes great for o'neill cruz so far Right now, again, he could have one game where he strikes out five times, like Max Muncy. <laughs> oh yeah, screw everything yeah. Up. But because uh, you know, any basically the guys at the top of the leaderboards have had one good game, <laughs> and they're right. there. Right, but it's something. Right, you know it, it, what? Also, is interesting is when you know we had kind of forecasted or you know spoke out loud about you know certain players you know, playing in new environments and thinking, you know, predicting kind of, or, you know, of, of, of what it would be like. And a guy that comes to mind is Adam Duvall, 
who, you know, we had all wondered, man, could, you know, what's he going to do when he plays in Fenway Park, you know, with the Green Monster? And and, and there he goes yes, uh, on Saturday, uh, putting a, a four for five performance with two home runs and a double, you know, and, and he's sitting on my bench in my auto new league. But, you know, I it's something to observe, right? I mean, especially if, let's say you have uh, a team where you're able to uh, change your lineup on a daily basis and you could stream him when he plays at home. Yeah, I mean, Adam Duvall has big power, Yeah, right? So number one, I wanted to see if maybe they tried to platoon him a little bit because he's always been a, a high strikeout, low walk player. So he's a guy that walks like around league average rates, maybe a little below, but also strikes out like 30% of the time, keeps mm-hmm. his batting average really low. Even in 2021, when he had a bit of a, you know, a big time role where he hit 38 home runs, he actually has three 30 home run seasons to his name. Although only one of them is, is particularly recent. When you're looking at Adam Duvall, one, I love that he played all three games, right? Mm-hmm. Two righties and a lefty. They played him each time. Uh, unlike teammate Tristan Cassis, who did sit when a lefty came up. Um, lefty, you know, Cassis is a guy who I think has much higher ceiling than Duvall. But with Duvall, if I need power, you know, absolutely, I'm looking at Adam Duvall. I think he was overlooked in a lot of leagues. And as you get injuries, he's a guy to really pick up. Obviously, he's going to be a hot pickup right now. But mm-hmm. at least, you know, I, what I, I mean, I'm sure folks listening are better than this, but you don't want to just start diving in like first game, like, oh man, this guy, he's going to hit for a, you know, tons of this. Like you can know what Adam Duvall is capable of. And that's at this point in his career with a full season. Sure. He could get to 30 home runs. He'll kill your batting average. Right. Uh, and, and he won't, his OBP will be terrible, but if he keeps batting fifth, you know, those home runs will get him to RBI. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of thing that I, again, that I'm looking at. And Adam Duvall is a guy who's absolutely someone that you can take some action on because what we've seen so far is he's playing. Right. Yeah. All right. So uh, why don't we take a, a quick break here uh, when we come back? And you know what? I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the closers who got uh, saves recently. You know, the closer position we talked about, you know, um, really tough to manage this season with more and more teams using the committee approach. But I just want to just bring up a couple of names of uh, some guys that got saves within the first couple of days that we should just take a look at. But we'll be right back right after this. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Sometimes it can feel like food has an emotional control over you. Well, 
It's time to show your food who's boss with Noom. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. And we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. Joe Galina, Scott Chu, making uh, some observations uh, during these first few days of the fantasy baseball season. Of course, uh, like Scott said earlier, a lot of these observations might not be actionable right now, but they should be, you know, keep them in your back pocket, you know, um, and uh, just, you know, keep on uh, working those uh, box scores. And, and, and but I, I wanted to talk real quick, Scott, before we head out about uh, some of the uh, closers who got uh, saves over the past few days. And, you know, so many teams using that closer by committee approach and, uh, you know, just making it all that more, much more difficult to manage the uh, fantasy baseball closer position. But uh, let's just go over a couple. Um, you know, uh, we got some actually good news about Liam Hendricks that the White Sox didn't put him on the 60 day IL. Um, I think he's still going through treatment. And we, of course, we wish him the best. And that's, you know, first and foremost. But um, them not putting him on the 60 day IL is kind of, you know, gives you some optimism, but uh, a lot of us had thought that Kendall Graveman would be the guy to be uh, getting uh, saves uh, as the primary closer with the White Sox, but actually it was uh, Ronaldo Lopez picking up the first save for the White Sox. Yeah, and you know Kendall Graveman has pitched twice so far. He got a win on opening day, then picked up the loss on Friday uh, after you know Lopez got the save on opening day. I mean, it is good. I want to see Ronaldo Lopez win that job because I think he's the best for fantasy, right? And when it comes to Liam Hendricks, I mean, he's obviously the closer when he comes back. This just tells me that he's far more likely to play this season than I thought. And maybe he's even back before the All-Star break. But something else to think about and why maybe they didn't put him on the 60-day IL, even though I think he's going to come right up to about the 60 days, is that this team's not very good. Right. Like this team is going to be in a dogfight with the Guardians to win this division. And they, they're going to need every win they can get. And they don't want to sacrifice. What if Liam Hendricks is ready two weeks before the 60 days are up? Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. They're going to want him in right away. So just kind of speculating there. But, uh, you know, something to look at. Also, you know, this closure committee for the White Sox is really big. But, man, some of them are off to poor starts. Joe Kelly's got a loss. Jake Diekman uh, technically has a blown save. Um, Ronaldo Lopez has only pitched the once, but he hasn't screwed anything up. So right now, him and Aaron Bummer are the only ones that haven't screwed anything up. So closer I mean, by default, right? Yeah, so far, yeah. so far, right. uh, that that's 
that's where you're going. And, you know, teams are, you know, generally managers are going to back their closers early on in the season. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, worth worth noting with some of these committees what's going on and in what situation, right? right. And it, it's also really important to look at uh, pitch counts, right? Now, you know, roster resource, for example, on Fangraphs has a closer depth chart, and that'll tell you how many pitches a guy threw the day before uh, or really on any day. Uh, And that might also, you know, early in the season, it's easy to say like, oh man, he got, you know, he got the save this day, but then this guy got the save the next day. What's going on? Well, it might've just been that he pitched a ton of innings Mm -hmm, or he mm -hmm. not innings, but he pitched, he threw a ton of pitches, right? Ryan Helsley, for example, uh, has a save and a loss Uh, opening day. He blew the save. Then he got the save um, just on Saturday. And a multi inning uh, appearance too. Yeah, yeah, because he's already thrown almost 50 pitches out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, early in the season, streaming saves is very, very difficult. But if you're going to do it, it would be, you know, don't be shocked if when you wake up on Monday morning, Ryan Helsley didn't get a save and a save opportunity. It's because he's thrown a ton of pitches, right? right, right, uh, right. More likely, it'll be a guy like Andre Pallante, something like that, because uh, he hasn't thrown. Jordan Hicks has already thrown a ton. Giovanni Gallegos has been injured. So Ponte would be, you know, if he got the save, it's not because he's getting the job. It's because Helsley's thrown a ton of pitches. Mm-hmm. That kind of context is really important, especially early in the season when we're all trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Right, right. If you're trying to stream saves as well or, you know. Uh, and it, uh, another thing to note about Helsley is that Marmel, the uh, Cardinals manager, kind of suggested that he's not going to pitch Helsley two days in a row as well. So uh, we'll see what happens as the season progresses, if he sticks to that. But uh, Johan Duran and Jorge Lopez, we were trying to figure out who was actually going to be the uh, closer for the Twins this season. And uh, Rocco Baldelli, the uh, Twins manager, earlier in the preseason had said basically that he was going to use Duran uh, in high leverage situations, but you know it was going to be uh, matchup based. So if the most critical if time in a game happened in the seventh inning, at least according to what Baldelli thought, if if he thought that let's say the most critical part of a game was going to be in the seventh inning, uh, you know he'd bring Duran in then, and, and if the most critical part of a game would be in the ninth inning, then he he'd use him then. But uh, Duran did pick up the first save for the Twins. Um, and then on Saturday, it was Jorge Lopez who picked up the save. But according to Baldelli, one of the reasons why he wasn't using <laughs> Duran on Saturday was because he, quote unquote, slept funny. But uh, trying to get some you know, clarification into this Twins bullpen, uh, I think that Duran's going to get his fair share. Uh, but uh, I, I do think that Baldelli will not hesitate to use Duran in a high leverage situation if it's not in the ninth inning. No, I, I absolutely, uh, you know, Lopez did get the other save, right? So it's pretty clear that this is a, we knew that it was going to be two guys in this, in this role that could potentially close. And all this has done is reinforced it. It's these two guys, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, Lopez set up for Duran you know, on the day that Durant got the save. So these two guys are going to be interchangeable. I definitely think it's going to be a fireman role for Durant. So the save should be there, just maybe not as high as someone with his kind of skill set would maybe suggest. But I think we are getting a pretty good look at what kind of role uh, he, he's he got for this. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, A's don't figure uh, to win too many games, but still the wins that they do get, uh, some of them are going to have to be saved. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, the A's had mentioned that they would use a, a committee approach. They didn't want to name a primary closer. But, and we've talked about this in the past before, uh, sometimes the pitcher that is used in safe situations is someone who has a history closing out games. So uh, Danny Jimenez saved 11 games for the A's last season. He got the first save for the A's, um, I believe it was on uh was on opening day because I think they got pummeled yes on Saturday thirteen to one. Yeah, it was it was opening day. <laughs> but because uh, Joe Otani threw a great game, uh, the team did all this great stuff and they lost because they're yeah. the Angels and that's what they do. Right, right. But uh, yeah, does this uh, move the needle a little bit uh, to uh, maybe uh, streaming Jimenez uh, for, for saves? No. Yeah, because he's not going to win many games. <laughs> well, not just that. I didn't like him that much when he, you know, when he had the role all to mm-hmm. himself. Right. Right. So, um, you know, technically Trevor May actually got the win here. It might have been a bit of a higher leverage situation. So it's not as though it was like nobody else pitched. It was just Danny Jimenez and he gets it right. Mm-hmm. Um, Trevor May came in during some critical innings and he's in that closer committee too. So um, I guess Danny Jimenez is the one who's the most fantasy relevant, but I don't really care until maybe they get a couple saves. Uh, right. And that might take a while for right. a team that's not very good. Right. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, similar situation, Paul Sewald and Andres Munoz uh, in, in Seattle. Uh, same thing. It was on opening day. Munoz gets a save, which is really cool. And Paul Sewald had gone in earlier to get the win. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so something to keep an eye on this. It doesn't necessarily tell us as much about these competitions as we thought, right. or as we might think without looking a little closer. Yeah. I'll tell you, I, I was watching a little bit of the Mets Marlins game on Friday and uh, Dylan Floro pitched the eighth and then AJ Puck came in, pitched the ninth. Uh, he did give up a home run to Pete Alonso. But other than that, he just looked lights out. You know, his fastball was just incredible. Um, so he picked up uh, the uh, first save for the Marlins this season. Um, is he someone that you might be interested in? Yes. So he's who I want to win. the. If someone's going to win that outright closer role in Miami, mm-hmm. uh, I want it to be him, not Dylan Floro. And the way that game set itself up, it really was, you know, Floro came in with the same score that puck did Mm -hmm. Um, they had an opportunity to do it the other way. They knew they were going to face the heart of that lineup. Uh, You know, Pete Alonzo ended up hitting that home run off puck pucks a lefty. So, you know, the middle of that lineup, they knew there was going to be a big righty lurking in there and they didn't care. Right. They, Mm -hmm. they let puck go in there, face him anyway, gives up the home run. Um, But you know, that's because it's Pete Alonzo, the polar bear. I mean, just kind of does that stuff to people. So, That one might have been just a tiny bit telling, right? Because that might have been a time when maybe they didn't want to just throw him, you know, throw puck in a situation where it could be pretty tough, uh, especially because, you know, the the heart of that lineup is kind of, you know, for Lindor is a switch hitter and they do kind of go righty, lefty, righty, lefty. But, you know, Alonzo is the only real power threat from the right side. 
Mm -hmm. uh, on this team. I mean, Lindor technically, but he's switched, so I'm not counting him. But so to see him go in and get a chance to face Alonzo to get that save, I do think was meaningful. And those kinds of situations do mean something to us, right? Not again, not a ton of things are actionable right now, but seeing guys get opportunities, you know, like I talked about before with Kerry Carpenter, I want to see him start against a lefty. Mm-hmm. Right. That's when I might start really getting interested or, you know, sometimes the, the things I see are are negative, but act, maybe not actionable yet. But like seeing a manual class uh, be down several miles an hour on the fastball, only mm-hmm. about 96, uh, you know, being down at all. I mean, that's that's not what I what I want to see. So, you know, not actionable yet, but something now I'm very, very sort of interested in slash maybe even concerned about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, mean it can be, it's but like it's very early miles. in the season, and you know, pitching up north. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what conditions were and whatnot, but you no, you're right to take note of it, uh, keep it in the back of your mind. But uh, you know, and that's that's a good point because so so many pitchers have had fluctuations in their velocity. I, some of it, I wonder, you know, could it be pitch clock related? Maybe. Um, you know, less time to rest between pitches might yeah. equate to some, maybe, maybe something I'm watching, right. It's really more pronounced on his, on his breaker than it is mm-hmm. the fastball. The fastball's down like a tick, tick and a half. The breaker's down several miles an hour and we just don't know why yet. Right. right. Don't, don't get too speculative, but keep an eye on that. Um, you know, maybe get James Karinchak on that watch list, right. He did get a loss earlier, but he's the clear number two guy there. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that's, those are the kinds of things I'm doing. Most of what I'm looking at right now is less about ad drop and more about how does my, you know, how does it look when I, um, get my watch list going, right? Yes. How many, yes. who, who do I need to add to that right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good time to create and build that watch list. And, uh, especially, especially because the free agent list right now is going to be such a mess in your league. It's just mm-hmm. going to be the guys who have hit a home run so far. Overreactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you, because you know, when most people pull up the available players in their league, what they do is they sort it by best over the last whatever days, uh, or they'll do it by like projected rest of season, right? Projected rest of season, that's just going to be your draft rankings, right? So, who was next up on your draft rankings? The best so far, again, it's such a short, you know, it's such a small sample right now. It's just going to be guys who have hit home runs or like hit a, you know, base clearing double, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's who's going to be at the top of the list. That's not useful right? What you should be looking at is getting that watch list going and looking at that as your sort of first stop, especially for the first week or two of the season of if I need to add someone, I kind of want to start looking at the guys on my watch list to see what they've done. Then maybe I'll go look at, you know, the rest of the list because I got to parse out who had that lucky two home run day. Right. Right. Um, Last guy I'll talk about and just get your observation because you saw him pitch last season. uh, Andrew Chafin, got the first save of the year for the Diamondbacks. And I think it was last week's episode we talked about, you know, Scott McGuff gaining some momentum uh, in terms of uh, people were thinking that he'd be the number one guy there in the Diamondbacks bullpen. But uh, Andrew Chafin, uh, you saw him pitch for the Tigers, you know, 64 games last season. Uh, You know, never really in his career has gotten more than, you know, you know, three to five saves in, in a season. And, you know, as a left-handed pitcher, a lot of times teams might be reluctant to uh, make a lefty pitcher as their primary guy. But uh, what do you think about Chafin's, uh, 
you know, opportunity to, you know, save games for the Diamondbacks this season on a regular basis. A team that doesn't win a lot of games and a pitcher who is, I mean, Chafin did, he's had two really nice seasons back to back. Chafin struck out a lot more guys last season than he had in years past career 3.23 ERA, but the last two seasons, 1.83, then 2.83, uh, you know, and the underlying metrics suggest like, you know, the FIP has been around three the whole time. So he could be a good guy in that role. He's never really been a closer before. Uh, he has, you know, he has eight saves over the last two seasons, uh, which is, you know, like not very many. Right. <laughs> to say of the course. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that's that's something to keep an eye on. Worth noting that with McGuff, he gets the hold, but he came in, walked two guys and got one out. Right. Right. Like that, you know he may have had an opportunity to pitch deeper in that game, but he didn't really give his team the chance to let him do that because mm-hmm. he was too busy. He was too busy, uh, you know, walking guys and getting one out. Right. Um, so as we close out, just a curious um, in tout in tout wars, our first waiver wire ran this past Wednesday. Like I said, we're recording this April 2nd on Sunday. Did you make any moves? I did not. Uh, I, I felt good about my team. I didn't have anyone I wanted to drop yet. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, before the, the first one was before the season started. So I couldn't put one of my guys on the IL yet. <laughs> so, mm. uh, I'll be, I'll definitely be using this one, but thankfully now we're not running into that problem except for freed. We mentioned him earlier in the show. He's not on the, uh, IL yet. Right. I think right. he probably will be by Monday, mm-hmm. but, uh, they don't need to do it yet, so they just aren't mm-hmm. because they can make it retroactive anyway. They just probably don't have anyone to bring in for him because the bullpen, uh, you know, has just hasn't been used that much because they their starters have gone deep into games. So we we know that Freed's going to miss you know a bit of time, but unfortunately, you can't put him on your IL yet. So you'll just right. have to wait uh, until uh, probably before they play their first game next week. Right. So I uh, had to put. Two players on the IL, Tristan McKenzie uh, is going to be out for a couple months, it seems. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping it's sooner. but uh, So I ended up picking up Graham Ashcraft. And like I said, we're recording this on Sunday, and he's pitching today. So uh, we'll see how he did because this podcast is dropping on Monday. But uh, made a sizable bid on him. He was actually highly sought after uh, on Wednesday night. And I'm sure that, you know, uh, a lot of leagues, their first waiver run is on Sunday, the day that we're recording. So uh, probably still available um, on some leagues. And then I, I had to put, uh, so I ended up bidding 117 bucks out of a thousand on him. And uh, I think the next highest bid was like 88 bucks. So um, I had to put Jared Walsh too on the IL. And uh, I know we talked about, you know, Derek Hall, you know, with the, the strikeout issue, but he's going to be playing every day batting cleanup for the Phillies. So I ended up uh, replacing Jared Walsh with uh, Derek Hall. So we'll see how that works out. But, um, you know, that's part of the fun of managing your fantasy baseball team, right? Uh, Yeah. You know, know, especially folks in fab leagues need to keep in mind that there's inflation the first two, three weeks of the season. Right. Right. Partially because, you know, if they work out, you get a full season of juice out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. If Graham Ashcraft ends up being a good pitcher, right, that that's you know, you that's one hundred and seventeen bucks well spent. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, you know, eleven, twelve dollars in a one hundred dollar fab league. So mm-hmm. that 
you know, that makes a lot of sense, but also, you know, it does make it hard to bid, you know, especially closers. I mean, what I'll close the show with is last season, uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays, Julian Merriweather picks up two saves right out the gate, right? And he becomes a hot ad all over. Of course, he gets hurt a little while after that. Uh, but you know, people dumped big amounts of fab on that. He even even when he was healthy, he didn't get any more saves or opportunities. Mm-hmm. They just didn't use him. It just kind of worked out that he was there for the two uh, that opening weekend, and that was it. So you know, be careful dumping too much fab. It's okay to lose some of those fab bids. Right. You don't have to you don't have to win them all. Another thing about fab bids early in the season is, especially if you're in a new league, you're trying to feel out the rest of your league mates to see how aggressive they are. So that was one of the reasons. Yeah, because that was one of the reasons why I bid so high on Ashcraft. And look, you know, you know, I'm no fool. I know that probably not smart to invest too much in on the, the uh, Cincinnati Red starting pitchers because of the, their home park. But, you know, Ashcraft had a nice spring and he has this new grip on, on uh, I think it's a slider. And so, you know, but again, you know, you don't really, if you're especially if you're new to a league, you're not uh, aware of the fab bidding habits of the people in your league. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge part of it is figuring out how aggressive are my league mates, right? So Ashcraft, hopefully this new slider grip can get him more strikeouts. And we saw some of that in the spring. Yeah, um, He's a guy who who can really throw hard, mm-hmm. right? So uh, Ashcraft has always had a ton of velocity, you know, upper 90s uh, with the fastball. So he's someone who could very well pay off, mm-hmm. uh, especially if he gets this movement. He's a guy who's good at keeping the ball on the ground. Uh, something he did well in the minors and Important. last season in the majors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it may, it may well be worth it. It's just about, you know, the strikeout upside was so low last season that it was hard to get too excited, but there were times when, when he was picked up and also, you know, you made the aggressive bid, you wanted him, you got him. And you also saw that you only won by a little bit. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. Frankie Stanford, our friend, he, he texted me after the bid. He goes, "Congratulations!" He goes, I, "You know, I bid eighty-eight bucks on him." <laughs> it's like, you know, because I wasn't sure how much the bid. So I, I thought I overbid for him, but apparently, I, I really didn't bid overbid that much. Yeah, it was enough, right? Because mm-hmm. eight, you know, eighty-eight to one seventeen—that's pretty tight. Yeah, uh, you know, in a regular league, that'd be you know eleven to twelve beating out an eight-dollar bid. So mm-hmm. again, you know, I, I like, I kind of like the move. There's a lot of upside there. Uh, but at the same time, what you also learned was that pitching is going to be premium on the wire mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at least so far. And, and that's not a surprise. I mean, that's, that's not uncommon to see, but you, you learned something right sure. about your league. Uh, it's almost like in poker. Sometimes the early hands, you're just trying to see what other people do. Right. Right. Are they, the type of folk that, you know, do they, do they like to, ch- you know, do they check into you know, do they check raise? Do they, um, do they bet aggressively when, you know, when they're, when they're, you know, on the button because they get to act like you get to learn little things about your league mates that might be able to help, right? Yeah. Who's already made a bunch of transactions mm-hmm. right now. They might use a lot later, but some people have already made a ton of transactions. So that's good to know, mm-hmm. right? That they're, they're absolutely churning. And at the same time, you know, who it's not surprising if people haven't done anything, but you know, who has, when the first bids come out, who is bidding? What are they bidding? What are they bidding on? Right? Are there lots of people going after potential closers? If not, that makes streaming closers in a twelve-team league viable, right? Right. But if you mm-hmm. are watching bids on those closers, then you know that streaming 
streaming closers is going to be a lot more difficult and you might need to shift your strategy. Not unlike in the draft, you see what people are valuing early in the draft tells you how to handle sort of the middle and end of the draft, right? It's the same for the season early in the season. We see what other people are doing to make their teams better. And as they do that, we also get to understand like, okay, maybe there's not going to be a lot of competition for uh, streaming outfielders. Right. Um, but there is a ton of action on the pitching side. Mm-hmm. So that I'm going to need to be really precise with what I do on the pitching side. Cause I can't just burn and churn because so many other people are doing it. Yeah. Good point. All right. Well, I think that uh, just about slams the lid on things for this week. Great stuff as always, Scott. Uh, good hanging out with you and, uh, you know, got a lot of baseball to watch over the next week. And uh, as always, we hope that uh, all of your fantasies become realities. By the way, follow me at Joe to Follow that guy. His name is Scott Chu at If the Chew Fits. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>